Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Before I'm joined by my guests, Michael Phillips, the Richmond Times Dispatch, and Targell Bashir, the Athletic, just a reminder to go back and listen to some of the previous podcasts this week. Joint was joined by Brian Mitchell, and then a week ago by Lewis Riddick of ESPN. Some really good conversations with both men. Now, I want to get on to some really big topics going on right now. Of course, the Trent Williams situation had a lot to break down with both Michael and Tark. We talk about medical staff, where this is headed, and then some early impressions of Dwayne Haskins. Okay, so now I'm joined by Tark El-Bashir of The Athletic and Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch. And I will say, because Michael, this is your first time, you get a gift certificate for four at Shea Philippe's in Richmond. <laughs> so, if you, so I hope that makes this all worthwhile. Second prize, Rice-A-Roni to San Francisco. <laughs> there, there you go. So I want to start, first of all, I'm going to plug a couple stories here. Tark has a story on Trey Quinn at the People's Receiver. The People's the Receiver. People's Receiver yep. coming out later Thursday, and then Michael has a story on Dwayne Haskins and Dominic Rogers Cromartie, some things that you learned from them, and I want to reference that in a, in a few minutes. But first, got to talk about Trent Williams. I'm going to start with you, Tark. When you look at the, how serious is this, is this situation? I, I think it is serious, and it's getting more serious by the minute because once uh, Jay Gruden basically confirmed the reports that were out there, it started out as speculation and some, right. some sourcing, and now – we know there is an issue with uh, Trent and the medical staff. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to, to work their way past this because it's actually two things. It's the contract and it's the fact that he feels like he was not misdiagnosed, but maybe his concerns that he voiced to the medical staff were brushed under the carpet and then it becomes serious. And he's like, hey, I told right. you about this. And in the bigger picture, the medical staff here has been questioned quite frequently right, by players right. either on the roster or, or, or former players over the years. So I, I don't think we've heard the last of this. And uh, if they lose Trent Williams, I mean, that could be a very, very long year, especially if you're planning on starting a rookie quarterback. Absolutely. And I want to get to the medical staff in a few minutes. But, Michael, for you, what's your take on this? I mean, how serious is this? And do you think that this can be resolved? Yeah, and I think the important thing to note here is we're not talking about an ACL, a pulled groin. Say, this is brain surgery. Right. Like we're literally talking right. about brain surgery. That's enough to freak anybody out. Right. If I had a procedure on my brain, I would freak out about it. So it's fully understandable why Trent has serious concerns, why this is a very major issue for him and his family and his kids. We are not talking about, hey, look, we, we sent you back out there with a tweaked ankle. Sorry about that. The ankles, this is brain surgery. So I, I think it's just important to keep that in mind. We're not talking about an injury. We're talking right. about something that seriously impacts his quality of life with his family. So can this be resolved? I mean, and how do you do you anticipate this being resolved? I do anticipate this being resolved. I, I, I'm not sure we'll see him at training camp, but I, to me, if Trent Williams walks in the door the week of that third preseason game and says, all right, boys, let's go, I think he's your starter right then and there. Sure. I think he's ready to go week one. Tark, how about you? Do you, you know, obviously, there's the reports that he wants right. to be traded or released. Now, I haven't been told directly that it's that firm. That doesn't mean it's not the case. But my own reporting, <clears throat> excuse me, hasn't taken me to that level where it's like he'll never play here again. What are you hearing? And then, you know, do you think that they would ever do that? Hey, after talking to some people last night, my understanding is that he's upset. Right. Uh, he's less upset than he was at first, but he's still upset. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do think that if they're able to bridge the gap on the, on the contract, 
I think that maybe that'll get them back in the building, get the conversation going in, and maybe they are able to work their way past this. Um, the one thing I've never understand understood in uh, two decades of covering pro sports is why a person ever lets word get out that they want to be traded because <laughs> right. that completely undercuts the, the, the market for them because now the other 31 teams all know that you want out. So I, I think that by letting that get out there, whoever leaked that to Jason Lock and Bora probably hurt any chance he had of being dealt. Um, that said, uh, you know, talking to some players yesterday, kind of off to the side, they're like, look, the money is a thing. Right. We think that's going to get resolved. And I think the guys in the locker room who are closest to him fully expect him to be back at some point. Right. My major concern is how many years can you legitimately add right. to his contract? I think I, I, concern. That you can make him happier with more money, but at what cost to your team and its competitiveness? And that's the one thing that I look at, too. Like, if you look at – and I, <clears throat> Trent Williams means a ton here. We all know that. But when you look at it, like, they would never sign a guy like this in the free agent market if he had been with another team. Over 30, injury history. But he's theirs, and he's important here. So what what would you, like, how many years do you think you can legitimately extend him out and realize, and get some, um, you know, return on your investment? I, I couldn't give him more than two years and sleep at night. I, I'd be, I'd right. be concerned. Uh, you're right. I mean, the injury history is there. He's on the wrong side of 30. The thing that I think maybe people who, who don't cover the team and aren't around the team on a daily basis might underestimate is the impact that he has on that locker room. Absolutely. When he goes in there and he's in a grumpy mood, everyone's in a grumpy <laughs> mood. When he's happy, everyone's happy. Like, he is the de facto captain of the entire team. Whether he has the C on his jersey or not, he runs that locker room. He dictates the um, kind of the tone of practice, of how things are being perceived. Uh, he is... Um, the guy who runs that team, and if if he, you know, uh, uh, isn't around in a, in a year or two as, it, as his team is trying to reload on the fly, that that's, leaves a big void in terms and, of leadership. And that's what we don't know who would replace him. Now I right. go back to 2009 when Chris Samuels was here. His last year was 09. They draft Trent in, in 10. That's right. So you don't know, but I think when you look at it now, with between Jerron Christian and, and Eric Flowers, there's no. You know, what's the replacement strategy here? Well, no replacement strategy left tackle. I'd say eventually. You've been a big fan of Flowers throughout <laughs> the spring. I'd say eventually Jonathan Allen becomes the leader of the locker yeah. room. He's clearly oh, being yes. groomed in it. My goodness. And I think they want him to be that guy. Yes, Eric Flowers. My goodness. This, yeah. this is not going well. No, it is. <laughs> it is we, not. we were joking on the sideline yesterday, and, and uh, we basically said, can you remember in the last decade a player who was not like between 55 or 60 on the roster at 90 who has been this poor in in OTAs yeah. it's it's hard to a first round it's hard pick. to yeah it's hard to, to, to pinpoint a player who struggled as mightily as he has and you know now I want to go back to the medical staff because one of the things and you brought this up Tarek and like when I when you talk to people and over the years you've heard some of the issues sometimes it's communication it's communication about the pace and timing of the recovery. Right. What should they be doing and when? And then I was talking to someone who had been here and there was, you know, there's a, um, the, the, the communication's a big deal. Being on the same page with the strength and conditioning staff. A lot of people like to rip on the SC staff. Players love that side of the bill. They love Chad Ungar. They love what they get from him. But I think the medical staff, there are more questions in like, and maybe how it's run. And again, the recovery aspect has been a big deal. What do you hear? I, I it's, you nailed it right there. I mean, it's exactly what I've been hearing. Anyone who's been around this team for the past 10 years right. has heard players, like I said, who are either on the roster grumbling off to the side or players who have left, moved on, and are a little more, um, 
um, more at ease voicing their concerns. And um, I, I kind of break it down in the, 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 the training and medical staff into three parts. And like you said, Chad and Kayvon do a great job. I think the players right. really like they them. They do. The I've heard unanimous side. opinion on that. Uh, and then you have the, uh, the athletic training staff headed up by Larry Hess. Not so much, right. and then you have the medical staff, and we don't really have much access to those folks. Uh, you know, <laughs> much the, meaning none, right? You know, Doctor West and uh, you know uh, James Andrews and, and those guys, Cesaro. and Doctor, yeah. yeah, exactly. All those guys, they aren't allowed to speak to us. We don't have much interaction with them. That said, if you're an outsider and you're looking at the number of players who have had surgeries and then have had subsequent infections and other things, you have to ask questions. You have right. to go, why does it seem to be happening more with this one particular team versus other teams? And there have been years where it hasn't been like this. The last couple of years have been really bad. But again, we heard DJ Swearinger, Michael, a couple of years ago talk about the recovery aspect. And I know I've talked to other players about this too. The other thing with that is that one word I hear is accountability. And it's not so much you know, holding the staff accountable, but as the staff holding the players accountable to get their own treatment, because a lot of guys aren't doing that. But you did something on the whole recovery aspect recently. It's tough because you have so many individual incidents and you're right. trying to compile them into a whole. So you start with Alex Smith. Nobody blames anybody for Alex right. Smith. There was always going to be infection there. That His bone was, was exposed a hospital, on a football that they, field. It's not their Absolutely. Darius Geis, that was a standard ACL procedure. What happened there? Unclear. Colt McCoy, a guy who should be here right now, was rushed in his comeback to try to be ready for the final week of 2018, but also wanted to rush his comeback to be ready for the final week right. of 2018. Jordan Reed, a guy who went off and did his own thing with his toe for a while, got a stem cell shot that they may or may not have known about, that complicated his recovery. So there's so many individual incidents along the line. It's tough to pick up that thread and find out. You start at the top, Dan Snyder, a guy who's cut big checks the last couple of years for the recovery center right. additions to the building. So he's not being negligent in that regard, but at the same time, something is going on here. And it's, it's not funny, but like when I was talking to a former player, a former Redskin, I should say, that you know his, his comment was, this, the training staff for any team, their job is to get players ready to get back on the field. So sometimes they go get a second opinion, and maybe that second opinion differs, but the doctor they're going to has a different, I don't want to say agenda, that sounds negative, but a different outcome in mind or different goal in mind. So you know, do you, how much of this do you think, Tark, and you've covered other teams, how much of this is germane to professional sports and also just to hear? I, sometimes, and this is going to sound odd to say it, but I feel like the, the players and the training staff slash medical staff can be at odds because yeah, they're, 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 they kind of have cross purposes. The, the player is looking at his personal health and prolonging his career as long as he can. And the athletic training staff is getting leaned on by the coaches to get this guy ready because right. they built their offense around this player and right. please get him back right. out there. And so there, there's always going to be a little bit of tension there. Um, I, I think that a lot of the things that I've heard with regard to this team, it's, it always seems to revolve around, Communication. I just feel yes, like the players, the, yeah, the, the players aren't being told, aren't getting uh, the same word from the athletic trainers that the, maybe the medical staff has communicated to them. And I just feel like there's always a breakdown in communication. And that's and then you know I also somebody else told me same page. That means strength and conditioning staff and training staff being on the same page as far as a player's recovery. Um, and I think I've seen that here in the past, way back when, when I first started covering this team, Bubba Tyre, yep. Dan Riley, we're in charge of those sides, worked in, in unison. The Patriots, someone else tell me, like, that's like the model 
but they have somebody who kind of oversees all that to make sure that everybody's on the same page. Well, you know, one thing I have noticed in over the past, I would say, five, six years across all sports is teams are getting away from having necessarily like their own specific orthopedic surgeon and their right. own doctor. And now they have like these teams that kind of rotate and maybe take care of the other teams in town. And they like to put their sponsorship name and their, you know, it's MedStar or whatever. It just, it wasn't like that when I first started covering pro sports. And I wonder if maybe... Uh, expanding the medical teams, you know, you're trying to bring in more experts, but maybe you're getting away from some of that personalization and maybe right, some of that yeah. communication can get awesome. dropped when you're dealing and with more people. As we stand here in the Innova Redskins complex, <laughs> yeah. I, you're more wired in across the NFL. I'd be curious, you know, is this a thing? Do all 32 teams have guys who say, my trainers aren't looking out for me? How much worse that's, is and it that's, than and this and that's building? What, yeah. and like I did talk to someone who had been with another team and his comment was that there, he felt like where he was at had more structure okay. set up. This is his experience. I can only, you know, I ask the questions just like you. I don't, I haven't been treated by these guys, so I don't know. But that's what I heard was was more structure, more accountability. And some of that goes back to whether it's the ownership, whether it's the president, whether it's the team, the coach, there's going to be a setup, a structure that filters down from there. So I think that, but, you know, and but that's one player's experience. And we have hard and fast numbers to compare now. I mean, they have yeah. been one of the most injured teams over the past two years in all of pro football. Now, some of those are broken bones. You can't pre prevent what happened to Alex Smith. You can't prevent what happened to Trent Williams breaking his thumb. You probably can't prevent what happened with Colt McCoy, although, you know, in um, trying to rush him back and not doing the surgery the way it needed to be done. That, you might right. ask questions about that. Um, but at some point, you have to, as an organization, I know they brought in some some outside consultants to kind of look at their processes and their practice right. times, but you got to, like, get real and like figure this out because the gap between a starter and a backup in the NFL might be bigger than you see in other sports. And when you lose that number one guy who's been getting all the number one reps all week long, and now you got to throw in a guy who maybe hasn't taken number one reps since Richmond in training camp, there's a huge drop off there. And before you know it, your team is falling apart. And, and yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing, like you hear this all the time from these guys here. I was talking to somebody last night. He's like, we have really good talent. The difference is X it's health. So why wouldn't you then make sure that there's nothing amiss in that department, right, Michael? Yeah, but you're also going back to picking the players in the first place. Yeah, you know? yeah, you're, yeah. You're trying to, you wrote about that this summer. Yeah. You're trying really to do well, so, so you grab Montez Sweat despite the questions. He's a great football player, yeah. but if he gets hurt a couple of years down the line or if, if this you know, heart thing turns out to be an issue, you say there were red flags. You signed Jordan Reed to the extension. You knew what you were walking right. into. If you extend Trent Williams I mean, for another Thompson, year. Chris Thompson, love him. Right, Bryce yeah. Love, the player they just drafted. I feel like there have been a few times in the draft where they have, think you know, they, they, they kind of think, hey, we're outsmarting everybody by getting the guy who's injured. And then guess what? He turned but, out to and be I also know, injured. And like, I also know that there are times they take guys off the board for that. So a lot of times it comes down to you look at the player's past. Like Bryce Love, if he had had issues every year there, you take him off the board. Or is it just that like he was dealing with this and tore his knee in the last year? Then you're going to look at him differently. So that's there, there's and a, you can win big, and they yeah, do need yeah, to absolutely, swing for the absolutely. fences. And I think that's a great ambitions. pick. But yeah. I think your point is fair that you do have guys. I mean, Trent's been hurt a lot, and yeah. whether it's you know, and at some point the player or the agent has to step in and also can go to them. And I've had other agents tell me this: like I'll go to them and say, I don't want my practice, my player practicing today because he's got this. He will not sit on his own. He is not supposed to practice. So I think there's it, and I'm not putting it. I mean, that's a shared responsibility as we have seen. So. Um, you know, I don't know. Where do you think this ends? Do you? Yeah, I mean, as far as like the medical. Last thing on this before we get to Haskins, where do you think this ends with the medical staff? 
That's a great question. Um, I, I do think Thank that you. there are a lot <laughs> there are a lot of people who are going to start doing yeah. some digging on this. Yeah. I would not be surprised if someone comes out with a big story that makes uh, that creates some waves uh, yeah. in terms of what's been going on here. But you know, big picture, you know, we're at the end of minicamp. This is supposed to be a time when we're evaluating the 2019 draft class and how they're going to fit in. And everyone was so hyped after you know they got Dwayne Haskins and they got all in Montez Sweat. They got all these great players. And once again, the team is embroiled in yeah. a controversy. It feels like the last six weeks of the season. That, that, that's, I mean, it was on SportsCenter. It was like the second story yeah. to plug ESPN. It was like the there second story last night yeah. on, on SportsCenter. Like, you shouldn't be having these conversations in June. And once again, you're having them, and it's a distraction. Yeah. I don't think anything's going to happen, but I'll say this. Trent Williams is one of, like, seven people in the building who can affect real change. If Absolutely. He, if he goes on SportsCenter tomorrow, it gives you the exclusive and says, hey, God I, bless him. I don't want more money. I don't want more years. I want all those people out and a new medical staff installed. Yeah, you think there'd be cool. one? Uh, I, I don't know because they're <laughs> you know. A, that, but that's that's, that, that's what that's he, one he of carries like, that gravity. He Dude, does. Right. Yeah. How many other guys on the team could even make that request and have it taken? Yeah, seriously? I am not sure that JoJo McIntosh who comes out tomorrow and does that. And you're probably like, who's that? I'm director free and safety. Okay, I'm going to take a break here for a second, and and when we get back, I want to talk about your impressions of Dwayne Haskins early on. Let's turn to Haskins for a moment here. And Michael, you had the story today. You talked to Dwayne, I think, and you referenced Dominique Rogers Camardi. I'm going to say one thing about him before I get to your story. It's funny because that it came out today because I was talking to somebody last night about DRC's impact. And one of it was more so on the receivers. And we were talking about like some of the young guys needing to learn how to run routes at various intervals of speed. Because he said, like, if you're not doing it right against Cromartie, he's going to figure it out. So you've got to run it right against him because he's got a veteran savvy and speed. And you see it out here. So what did you find with that? Yeah, I'm seeing him as a guy who's going to stick, first off, for people who are wondering about that. He looks good. Uh, Every time Haskins throws his direction, the two of them huddle up and chat afterward, and Haskins ask him, what did you see? Why, you know, should I have thrown it there? Where should I have put the ball? Uh, what a great resource for a young yeah. quarterback, and how great that that young quarterback is taking advantage Absolutely. of that resource, too. That's not a given everywhere. No, it's not. Um, that he's learning from that, and that Cromartie Rogers is willing to share his experience with that. Uh, very, very impressive all the way around. My favorite thing about DRC is he comes onto the field for a rep, and he's got his helmet by his side, and he's putting it on, he's strapping up, and he kind of has this limp to him where you're like, is he hurt? Is he okay? <laughs> and then he gets out there, and he, he has this closing speed, and you're like, oh, he's fine. Yeah, he's got that old <laughs> but, but he is, is the old man kind of ankles and knee kind of limp. He, he's fine. I, I agree with you, Michael. I do think he's going to find a spot on this team, A, because he can still play, and I think he's shown them that he's 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 committed, and B, because he's able to bring that that experience to the room. Defensive backs coach Ray Horton, we talked to him yesterday, right. completely unprompted throughout the idea of him being a safety. He's um, played so safety I, at the, at I, times I know, the I know you love well, your, I know but, you love your position switches. And he like <laughs> but now but, but I would say guy, this. But here's a guy who. Can and do. here's the thing I always said with him is he can drop there in coverages. Yep. They haven't shown him there full time at any point. But dropping in coverages, yes, because there are times you're going to rotate the corners to that coverage, and it gives you an advantage. You're talking to people in New York. They're like, he didn't play as a full-time safety. That's not his gig. Part-time rotating back there, it gives you some versatility there. What your impression? Quarterback. One more thing to, to, it, to it check does. out. It does, and like, too. and there have been other guys, but that's a guy who can do that. So, no um, last one: impressions of Haskins to the, to date. I, I would say 
started out with a flash and a bang, and we were like, whoa, look at this kid. He's got a big arm, and we've all seen that. Right. I think that as these off-season practices have gone on, he's become a little more ragged in in uh, in his progression. I, I I don't I don't want to say that he's looked bad, no, he but didn't. he's just, he's just had some uneven performances right. after the first couple, and I think that's due to a number of things. I think number one, uh, since that first OTA, we were out here when he was lighting it up. Some better players have come into right. the fold. <laughs> right. I, I think that the offensive line uh, that's trying Being to protect him is really, really struggling right now. Yes. It's basically a bunch of that's backups. Been an issue. Um, and I, I think that backups to backups. Yeah, and I think that what's happening is more is being introduced, more is being thrown right. on his plate. So, Michael, your your thoughts? On I'm very much on record as being a Haskins skeptic from the get go. He has impressed me. He has made some throws where I say, "Whoa." There hasn't been a guy in this building in the last decade yeah. who can make that football throw. He's not ready. He makes his reads a little too slowly. He's not quite polished enough that you could throw him out there in a game. But he's a guy who has the raw tools, I believe, with proper coaching, with proper patience. He might be good in this league. And that's what you see, the talent. And I think you the, the, see the and raw what, talent. And what we're all talking about here is he's still a rookie. He's got a lot to learn. And I was told someone yesterday, like, you know, they're taking it slow with him because they know there's going to be a ton of information thrown at him when July gets here or July or training camp gets here. So, you know, but yeah, there's a lot of, and even Jay said the other day that, um, you know, and the ones we saw the two minute drill where he ran on a play where the, with, no, time with no timeouts left in the red zone clock would have expired. Most likely those are things that you have to learn because you have, you're getting so much thrown at you now, even though they're taking it slow that you forget situational football. My, my great fear here. I think Alex Smith, if, if Haskins had been in the building last year, even at like, four and three every everybody yeah. would be oh you got to put the kid in this is too boring smith isn't getting the job imagine how it's going to be with case keenum right my concern is uh in training camp if colt mccoy is healthy and now you have three guys jockeying for that job that's a hard it's gonna be hard it's to hard split to those reps yep. it's gonna be hard to to give everyone a fair shake um and you just hope that haskins does get the opportunity to show much progress he's made all right guys thanks a lot for joining me and I'll go out to uh, watch some practice and sweat. Let's all get right. better. That's all I have for now. Thank you to Tark El Bashir of the Athletic and Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch for joining me to talk about Trent Williams and talk about Dwayne Haskins. And again, go back and listen to some of the previous podcasts at Brian Mitchell as well as Lewis Riddick in the last two weeks. And we'll have more for you soon. As always, thank you for listening.